The following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. A friend of mine sent me a letter this week. I asked a few people to respond to me about their Christmas experiences. And it says, Dear John, You asked me about my dream Christmas, so I wanted to drop you a note and share what happened at our home last year. I found myself muttering my own mother's most well-known Christmas phrase. Oh, come on, everybody. Don't bite. It's Christmas. What happened was this. Our four-year-old woke up at the crack of dawn went out to the Christmas tree and opened all of the presents, including the gifts for his brother and sister. It was like some fiendish urge overcame him at once he started ripping that Christmas paper off of things. He just couldn't stop. He came into our bedroom with this mix of guilt and elation on his face, like Hannibal Lecter after he had just just fried someone and battered them up and eaten them. What made things worse was my husband was so upset that his perfect idea of gift-giving under the tree was completely ruined that he locked himself in the bathroom and refused to come out. Which was when I found myself standing on the other side of the door saying, Oh, come on, honey. Don't be like that. It's Christmas. My four-year-old was in tears of guilt and regret. His brother and sister were screaming in tears that their presents were already opened. And Christmas morning was officially a disaster. We eventually patched things up, but it was was far from the television version of a Christmas, of a perfect Christmas. Here's another one that I got. Dear John, two Christmases ago, I decided that the only way to have a peaceful Christmas was to crush up some Valium and Vicodin and put it in my brother's food. (laughs) My brother is notorious for starting arguments over the Christmas table. He is a combative and aggressive drunk. Year after year, Christmas would descend into an unpleasant, angry rant as he arsed over something and took offense at something that someone had said. Sometimes he would just set off on his latest rant about how life in general is unfair. So I took matters into my own hands. I took the edge off of his personality with some hidden Valium and Vicodin in his potato salad. And you know what? It was the best Christmas we ever had. (laughs) My brother was so delightful, he was wonderful company that year. Now, I'm not advocating drugging your family members for Christmas. But I think that all of us, somehow, in some way, in our own way, are searching for the perfect Christmas. We want to have... Christmas be something wonderful. We have this hope in our heart 
that Christmas is wonderful, and only if we could just get to that wonderfulness, it'll be a great Christmas. But I have this sad truth to share with you this morning. As long as your family's involved, it won't be perfect. You will never, ever, ever be able to live up to those expectations that are in your mind. And here's the reason why. Because Christmas, contrary to a lot of popular opinion, is not about family and friends and food and presents and parties. Did you hear that? Christmas is not about those things. Christmas is about Jesus, and it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus, and when we get off of that path into all these other wonderful things that we want to experience, we always end up with some sort of disappointment. So, if you want to avoid the nightmare before Christmas, listen up. I've got two short suggestions for you. You ready? First one is this. God is holy, so we must embrace the purity of Christmas. And number two, God is Emmanuel, so we must embrace the presence of Christmas. Let me look at the first one. Christmas is, has a holy and pure quality to it. There's something innocent and precious and holy about Christmas. Think of all the ways that God could have come to the earth. And there's so many. He could have come to the earth as a conquering king. And showed up with the, the host of heaven and all the warring angels of heaven come riding in in power and glory. He could have come in as a, the son of a, rule, a great world ruler, a king, and great wealth and power. So many different ways that Christ could have came to the earth, but he chose to descend from heaven as a little baby. A small baby boy. If you've ever held a newborn baby in your arms, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know how pure and innocent and beautiful they are. I remember holding each of my boys. Of course, they came out of the womb and they... They place the baby right on the mother's chest, and she holds that baby for the first time in her arms, and they do some stuff. Eventually, they give them to the father, and I remember all four of my boys getting that little precious newborn baby for the very first time and looking into his face and just tears running down my eyes and saying, thank you, God, for this holy, precious, wonderful gift. I love the smell of baby. Most of the time. But Christmas has to it this holy and precious quality, this innocence. 
You know, the prophet Isaiah caught a glimpse of God. He had a vision, and, he, and the Lord ushered him into the presence of God, and he saw the holiness of God, something that most people never, ever see. He wrote about it in the book of Isaiah. He said, it, it was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their feet. With two, they covered their faces. And with two, they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. God's holiness is more than just his perfection and his purity. It's the essence of who he is. It's his transcendence. God's holiness embodies the mystery and the awesomeness and the wonder of who he is. And perhaps it's the hardest for us to glimpse of God's holiness because it's the one quality about him that he never shares with anyone. Even the angels saw their unworthiness in the presence of a holy God and covered their eyes and their feet in a way to say, we're not worthy of you. These beautiful, glorious angels in worship of God because they're not worthy, covering their face and so it's difficult for us to grasp this, perhaps because we are so far removed from holiness. And a holiness is a thing that the only way for you and I to ever attain any kind of holiness is through Jesus. That's the only way. And so it's not the same as God's holiness. We call it imputed holiness. It comes from Jesus and it rests upon us and then we become holy. But in and of ourselves, we can never be holy. It only comes from God. And so looking at that precious baby in a manger, I'm pretty sure Joseph and Mary felt this heavy presence of Almighty God. There must have been a heavy glow of holiness there in that moment. She's holding the Son of God. I think remembering that Christmas is holy and it's pure is our first step to avoiding the nightmares. Christmas is pure and holy because it's the worship of a pure and holy God. We completely pollute Christmas. We ruined Christmas with all that other stuff. All that stuff that we get caught up in and everything that we do and all that, it somehow takes away the holiness of Christmas. It gets lost in the shuffle. It becomes tainted. So I think if we remember the holiness of Christmas, its purity, Things will be different. My second suggestion for you is this. 
that God is Emmanuel. We always sing that song. Emmanuel, his name is called. Remember that one? Maybe that's an older tune for some of you. But in Matthew chapter 1, Matthew writes about this. It's the birth of Jesus. In verse 22, he says, All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophets. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, this is probably the single greatest promise that God has ever given. That God is now with us. That the Savior has come and now he's with us and you can know him. That is the most incredible promise, radical truth, good news on the face of the earth that will ever be. God is with us. Do you realize how that changes everything? I use this promise virtually every day of my life. Every day of my life. And I... I, It it took me a long time to get there, but always remembering, no matter what, whatever trial, whatever difficulty, whatever hardship, that God is with me. You know, that changes everything. It changes everything. When you know you're no longer alone, you got yourself into a terrible mess, you're facing a terrible tragedy or, or trial or difficulty, and yet... King of kings is right there in your living room with you. He's with us. It's our hope. It's the hope of the whole world that Jesus came to be with us. He ascended up into heaven and then he sent his Holy Spirit. And he said, I'm sending to you the comforter who will never leave you or forsake you. Always be available for you. Whenever I'm in trouble, whenever I'm facing something that I don't have the answer for, some, a big challenge, a big problem, I, I don't have the resources that I need, I don't have the answers that I need, and I stop in that moment and say, okay, Lord, I know you're with me. It'll be okay. It's the disciples in the boat on the the raging waters and this massive storm. If they had known this, that if God was in our boat, if they had known that, they would have never freaked out. They would have never panicked. Jesus would have never rebuked them for their lack of faith. They would have just simply said, God is with us. We're okay. We're going to die, but we're going to die with God. Maybe it's the same faith and hope that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had when they were in the fiery furnace. That God will be with us. That Daniel had when he was in the lion's den. He's thrown into the den of these hungry lions, but he knew he'd be thrown in there with God. Jesus Christ, if he is your Lord, then you are never, ever Never alone. I think we do have times when we feel alone. Yes, there are times when we feel like 
We're all alone in this world, and there's no one there for us or no one to support us, no one to love us. But it's not true. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ and you've got a relationship with him, then you are not alone. And I don't care where you are. Do you realize that if you have Christ with you, you can be in the absolute most dangerous place in the whole world and be safe? If you are right there with God and you're in his will and he, you are where he wants you to be and he is with you, then you got nothing to fear. In college, I went with a, a group of girls, believe it or not. Me and five girls. Boy, if you could go back in time, you know how you do things differently? I would have said no to that trip. But God knew, and so, so I go on this trip. We go to the Philippines. And uh, it's me and these five girls. They're all from the same college, and we're on this missions trip. But in the Philippines, at that time, there's a war going on, a civil war, between Corazon Aquino, who was at the time the president of the nation, and the National People's Army, which was a communist branch, and they were fighting each other, very much like a terrorism-type thing. And we were at the bank, and we were cashing in our dollars and getting local currency, and we heard this, sounded like, you know, firecrackers or something. There's pop, 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 pop. And so everybody in the bank just hit the floor because they knew what was going on. So just the Americans are standing there walking, looking around like, what's going on? Finally, we got the clue and we hit the floor too. It's rolling on the floor inside the bank and we just laid there and it seemed like an eternity. I'm sure it was just a couple minutes, but we eventually got up and went outside and there's all these people there in front of the bank bleeding and dying. They They've come by and machine gunned a crowd of people. And I'm 19 years old. <laughs> 19 years old, halfway around the world with five girls, and they're all screaming and crying. And I wasn't crying yet, but I was about to. I was trying to hold it together for the team. And we went to this, went back to base camp, and we sat down. I'm never afraid. We sat down on the couch, and this Baptist pastor was there. And he knew we were completely freaked out and everybody was all trying to call home and want to go home. And he said, listen, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? And somebody said, well, we could die. And he said, okay, then what happens? Well, we'd go to heaven. And then we got it. And then we realized, oh, we're not in any danger here. We're here because God has sent us and he was with us. We've got nothing to fear. And we finished out that trip with such boldness. We saw more people come to Christ at that point of the trip than all the previous weeks and weeks prior. Because we knew God was with us. Jesus came and they gave him the name Emmanuel because he's with us. Perhaps this year you could avoid the nightmare. You'd be a little bit more prepared for Christmas this year if you remember this. 
God is holy, so embrace the purity of Christmas. God is Emmanuel, so embrace his presence at Christmas. And you know what? You just might have a very Merry Christmas after all. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're so excited, Lord, for the coming celebration of your birth, the birth of your son, Jesus. Jesus, born, born on earth as a man, fully God, fully man, in ways we don't understand, Lord, but we embrace you as our holy God, the God who is with us. Lord, it causes us to remember our sins that are ever before us, our sins and faults and failures, and God, we lay them at your feet and ask you to forgive us and wash us and cleanse us. We could remember that we are in the presence of a holy God. Lord, I pray that you would help us to cut through all the stuff to get to the true, real purpose of Christmas. It's not about all the other stuff. It's all about Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's such a radical concept, it almost seems impossible that it could be true. That Christmas could be about Jesus. I mean, where could that ever be true in the world? Because it always seems it's always not about Jesus. It's about a lot of good things, right? I'm not downing on all the great stuff of Christmas. I love all that stuff. But in all of that, don't lose sight of the truth that it's about Jesus. And it's about your relationship with him. That's all that matters.